Oh, good day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Monday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB and a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, a uh, bit of Saturday night football, game of two games. You'll understand what I mean shortly, hopefully. Uh, should oh no, we're not still talking about whether trans athletes should be allowed to play this sport, are we? Apparently, uh, everybody skis. Uh, did you not realise that everybody goes skiing and will visit Dunedin, have a lovely time in Dunedin? But before any of that, the Tauranga by-election. Hey, um, Labour, I mean, you could have at least turned up. I mean, I know you turned up, but you didn't really turn up, did you? I think we have a broad agreement, don't we, that by-elections are a story unto themselves. They're, they're never good for the government of the day or very rarely good for the government of the day. And what happens in a one-off vote like a by-election is not automatically to be repeated on a national stage. But... But a couple of notable things happened in Tauranga over the weekend that tell a story. One, the National Act vote went up and significantly both parties gained. Labour not only lost, but lost badly. And they lost badly because the tide generally has gone out on the government and this merely confirmed it. And also Labour gave up from the start. They never even tried and not even trying is defeatist in my book. The gains they got last election have not been held on to, but Labour haven't even tried to hold on to them. David Seymour, he was in there campaigning. Chris Luxon, he was in there campaigning. Jacinda Ardern never went near the place. Not once. The mistake in making that decision is going to haunt her. It makes you look like you're in it for yourself. Makes you look like you don't like bad news or you can't face it. Makes you look like you only deal with the good days. And that is not leadership. Trouble with that is Ardern already has this particular reputation, of course. Ardern's reputation is now in serious trouble. Her one trick, the love fest that was COVID, is now well past its use-by date in these days. She presides over a government that's immersed in an economic mess, in an ideological battle they're not winning with the likes of Three Waters and co-governance and fair pay deals, with a lack of confidence among virtually every sector and every business out there, with a talent pool so shallow that when the reshuffle came, the only talent to get work was Chris Hipkins, who was overburdened anyway. Yes, National were always going to win Tauranga, but they won this well, and yes, Labour was always going to lose, but they didn't have to lose this badly. They lost as a result of not even trying. And not even trying is an insult. If you can't be bothered, why did you ever want the job in the first place? And if you can't be bothered, why would anyone bother to vote for you? Because, I mean, you know, if you give it a go, sometimes things happen, right? Um, you know, the Blues easily could have won on Saturday night. They didn't, but they could have. The Warriors, wow. For The Observer, it was a fantastic piece of scheduling Saturday night. Warriors v Panthers on one channel. Blues v Crusaders on the other. And what was worth watching were the Panthers and the Crusaders. Uh, they could have been coached by the same people. Uh, they had the same look about them. They were better and faster and stronger. When they tackled, they got up quicker. When they got tackled, they got up quicker. They offloaded the ball faster. They were more creative in their play. They were more creative in their movement. They invented stuff. They made stuff happen. They were clearly fitter. They were both examples of why they're at the top of their sports. Crusaders, once again, of course, are champions. Panthers are at the top of the NRL table currently. By a margin, they've only lost once. And against the Warriors, that record was never in doubt. Mind you, having said that, as we've said a number of times during the year, the first half, the Warriors actually looked OK. They looked genuinely competitive. But that's the trick to these sides, you see. Being there or thereabouts isn't good enough. The Blues looked OK early on. It wasn't a blowout. But at no point did you think, oh, gee, these Blues look good enough to win. You didn't say that, did you? Gee, these Warriors look like they'll stitch together a quality second half. You never said that. What you were looking at 
was two gold standard sides playing sides that on their day can be okay. I mean, the Blues, I think most people concluded, were deserving of a final. But the Crusaders are a generational operation with seemingly every aspect finely tuned for success. League's a bit different. I mean, the Panthers are good, but so is Melbourne. So have been the Rabbitohs and the Cowboys. But look at look at who won on Saturday and why they won and how they won. It wasn't luck. They didn't have a good game. They did what the greats always do. They turn up every time and they execute and they do it week in, week out. The model is there for those who wish to see it and pursue it and dedicate themselves to it. The best of the best. They're always a joy to watch. Yeah, it seems to be really annoying, doesn't it, that um, that uh, rugby league's got two halves. It hasn't worked out that well for the Warriors recently. That whole second half, that pesky second half. Um, uh, now, uh, you say what you like about trans athletes, but at least they usually turn up for both halves of the game. A couple of big decisions over the weekend, one of which has come this morning, both of which I agree with. One's FINA who are the international world governing body on swimming. They're stopping transgender athletes from competing in women's elite races if they've gone through any part of the process of male puberty. Uh, transgender competitors uh, have to have completed their transition by the age of 12. So in other words, they're saying, don't worry about it. They aim to establish, this is, this is the, the compensation, if you like, they're aiming to establish, which is not the same as doing it, uh, but they're aiming to establish an open category at competitions. 152 members were part of this vote from all around the world. 71% of them went for it. Uh, They heard a report from a transgender task force made up of leading figures from the world of medicine, law and sport. Uh, They emphasised or wanted to emphasise competitive fairness. And of course, we've got got skin in the game with the Hubbard case, of course, in weightlifting. Uh, Follows a move by the UCI, which is cycling's governing body, on um, Thursday of last week. They're going to double the period of time before a rider transitioning from male to female can compete in women's races. Those sort of decisions are the ones that get you into trouble. When you go, oh, well, hang on, we'll make it a bit longer, or we'll review this rule at a later date, or we'll just hold this off for now and see where it goes, or we need to get some more questions answered around the science. You got To run your sport at a global level, you've got to be crystal clear about where you stand. And FINA are crystal clear and good on them. And no, not everyone's going to like that decision, but there is no question in my mind that if you're transitioning from a male to a female in a sport that requires physical prowess, it will give you an unfair advantage. Uh, I don't know what's happening here. Why do we have to keep demonising trans people all the time? (laughs) Can we not... Can we just stop making a big thing about it? Like, if you think trans people give you an unfair advantage, then select some on your team. It's like saying you can't have tall people on your basketball team. Or, you know, heavy people as props. Heavy strong people as props. You're going to ban all those as well? I understand what's happening. Maybe it's because I didn't ski enough as a child. Come on, Mike. Jacinda can't be everywhere at once. She did spend towering a by-election day in Queenstown, waving and smiling, which was true. Having said that, is it unusual of me? Am I being unfair? And I'd like, I'd like to get a read on this. Jacinda Ardern has never been on a set of skis or a snowboard in her life. Is that unusual? I know that most people aren't skiers. Obviously, most of us aren't skiers. But uh, certainly in the South Island, there are more skiers than, say, in the North Island, given the number of mountains and ski fields available. But I would have thought, at a guess, at some stage, most of us would have at some point spent some time in the snow on a snowboard or a set of skis. Am I wrong? Uh, Yes. uh, you see, you've never been on a mountain. No, I have, but I'm just saying, if you if you grow up in Morrinsville, I don't know that skiing's... You're closer to the mountain in Morrinsville than you are from Auckland. 
And yeah, a lot but of people, all, yeah, we know about Aucklanders, though, don't last we? Time we, we know did about this, Aucklanders and roof racks and skis. Yeah, that's and, true. But last time we did this, you said only 10% of the country have got air conditioning. It turned out to be 50. So do you think, do you want to go there on your prediction of the number of people who have been on skis? No. Yeah, you run rings around me logically there. I've got to hand it to you. <laughs> yeah, so we've got ourselves an old-fashioned uh, research emergency there. Um, I, I'm glad I, it's not actually me who has to uh, take part in these emergencies, deal with these emergencies. It's our executive producer, Michael. Poor Michael. I've got Michael. Um, we don't know quite where to look about. Someone must have the stats on. Research Somebody must have the stats on how many people have been skiing. It's, it's more a thing, you, you'll get a number on how many people have gone skiing, because each ski field will know how many people came up each year, but they'll be the same people over and over again. What you want to know is how many New Zealanders, this is a question for the census next time they do the census and don't cock it up, is have you ever been skiing? That's what we want to know. Or snowboarding, of course. Um, grew oh, up hang on, my- are you throwing snowboarding in there? Oh, you got to have snowboarding. Well, because snowboarding is skiing, skiing is snowboarding. It's oh, act- activity on a mountain. I think the snowboarders would disagree violently with you about that. Activity on a mountain. Grew up in Morrinsville, annual day jaunt to Ruapai, who leave the farm at 4.30, highlight of the year, everyone did similar. See, my experience is, uh, and Glenn raises a very good point off air, of course, it's a cost prohibitive for many people. It's very expensive to go skiing. But as, 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 as a young person in Christchurch who grew up in, um, in straightened times financially, we would go once a year. That's what we could afford to do. It was a once a year thing, a treat. I used to toboggan on my backyard in, on Jeffreys Road so when it snowed in Christchurch. You have a little slope in Jeffreys Road there, Not did you? Not much of a slope, but if you could take a run up. A little bit of a slope and get a, get a slide on. Everybody loves snow. I, I just think everybody at some point, given the opportunity, would have gone to visit the snow. By the way, I almost visited the snow on the weekend. I went to Dunedin and we landed at nine o'clock in the morning. And the pilot announced it was minus five, minus five degrees at nine o'clock in the morning. And Did you just say, turn this thing around? I said, no, I actually like the cold. I don't mind the cold. On a, on a clear, crisp day, which it was, uh, I, I love the cold. But it did remind me, I mean, you know, I used to uh, live in Stewart Street and, um, you know, all the sl- sliding down the hill and uh, it, it, all the memories came flooding back. Have you got a beanie with a pom-pom? I or? didn't have a beanie with a pom-pom. Uh, you don't wear a beanie with a pom-pom, you go, you know. You're, 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 not, you're not a man if you were a beanie with a pom-pom, for goodness sake. By the way, I uh, sat in the car park for 15 minutes while I waited for the rental car to defrost. And I mean every heater, every seat warmer, every fan, every just going gangbusters. I've never seen more ice on a car in my entire life. And when I lived in Dunedin, I used to park my car outside. And so it did have ice on the windscreen every morning. You'd scrape it all off. But, um, geez, I tell you what. Took us a while to um, took us a while to get going, but it was a fun weekend. Dunedin's such a beautiful place. We had a we had a we had a fabulous time, and just as well because I didn't ring Air New Zealand. I don't have time to tell you this now, but I didn't ring Air New Zealand. The, the, this call centre stuff is out of control, and they got to do something about it. A couple of months ago, they said they're going to hire more people, but I'm um, reading over the weekend. One bloke's waiting twelve hours, twelve hours. Uh, June seventeen, the wait time for international long haul flights was three hours. Domestic and trans-Tasman flights, two hours, 45 to three hours. Unacceptable. Got to pull your finger out and get your act together. Something seems off to me, that, that story about waiting 12 hours on the phone. How, like, these, in this age, how practically do you do that? Because um, if you're on a landline, I, uh, you're still on a cordless phone, right? Nobody actually has a phone that just plugs into the wall anymore. So that's not going to work. Your phone's eventually, that's not going to last. You're not going to have 12 hours. I don't know of a cordless phone that gives you 12 hours talk time. 
practically, technically, you can do it with a with a smartphone, but you'd have to plug it in. I think you might just manage. It. But who's sitting there with their phone plugged in for twelve hours? Like, mind you, I've just spent about twelve minutes thinking about that out loud at the end of this podcast. Uh, so, you know, time can get away on you, that's for sure. I'm Glenn ZB. We'll be back for another sort of 10 to 12 to 14 minutes tomorrow. See you then.